What's happening, people? Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Zach Tellander. He's a weightlifter, coach, and a YouTuber. And he rang me yesterday in a frenzy about some Olympics corruption and doping scandals. So we thought we'd do a podcast about it. Also, we get to talk about my trip to Nashville to see Michaela and Jordan Peterson. Why I think Canada has committed an act of international sabotage by poisoning me. The International Olympic Committee's newest bombshell threat to the entire weightlifting world. Why corruption is so rampant in the sport of weightlifting. What Zach thinks can be done about drugs in sports. And much more. Quite a surprising number of people happy about the prospect of joining a cult uh, the other day. I mentioned that modern wisdom is kind of like a cult. And it seems like that really resonated with everyone. Uh, Eddie Jones episode and the Vincent Haranam episode this week has been fire. Uh, in all of December has been awesome. So thank you to everyone who has joined the cult, who's decided to co-opt in. Uh, if you've got the tattoos, if you've joined the commune, if you've taken the LSD, uh, you are welcome here. This is a safe place for you. And I will see you soon as we ascend to the heavens. Also, I have put together the Modern Wisdom Annual Review Template, which is the exact process I use at the end of each year to learn the lessons from the previous one and make plans for the next one. A lot of people want to do an end-of-year review but don't have a process that they can follow, so I've just recreated mine, which is a, an amalgamation of a ton of other people's practices and strategies which I've picked up from over the years, and that will be available very soon. It'll be on the website, chriswillex.com. Uh, it'll be there soon. Uh, just keep your eyes peeled on my Instagram and on the pre-roll to the next couple of days podcasts and you'll find out where you can get your copy. It'll be totally free uh, and it'll hopefully help you round out this year well and begin 2022 very nicely. All right, quick maths. The less that your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money that you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution and borrowing, Everything costs more. So to reduce the costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you are improving efficiency by bringing all your business processes into one platform. Over 37 thousand companies have already made the move so do the maths and see how you will profit with NetSuite. Back by popular demand NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com modern right now. That's netsuite.com modern. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've worn Whoop for over four years now, since way before they were a partner on the show, and it is the only wearable I have ever stuck with because it's the best. It is so innocuous, you do not remember that you've got it on, and yet it tracks absolutely everything 24-7 via something from your wrist. It tracks your heart rate, it tracks your sleep, your recovery, all of your workouts, your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, how much you're breathing throughout the night. It puts all of this into an app and spits out very simple, easy to understand, and fantastic fantastically usable data. It's phenomenal. I am a massive, massive fan of Whoop, and that is why it's the only wearable that I've ever stuck with. You can join for free, pay nothing for the brand new Whoop 4.0 strap, plus you get your first month for free, and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can buy it for free, try it for free, and if you do not like it, after 29 days, they will give you your money back. Head to join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. That's join.whoop.com slash modern wisdom. But now it is time for Zach Talander. Zach Talander, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, Chris. What's happening, man? You look serious. You're a serious human today. No, I'm, uh, you know, normal stuff in, in my neck of the woods. Uh, weightlifting is going through its potential death penalty. But All right. beyond that, it's, been, it's a pretty great day. Well, we're, we're in the same city and we've decided to do this over the internet. Like we could do, <laughs> I know. I could shout it out of the window. We could just do it that way. Yeah, I'll see you tonight, man. Yeah, catch you later <laughs> on. Let's do, this, let's do this unrecorded later. But uh, I have had 
48 hours from hell with this. Jordan Peterson fucking infected me, gave me a stomach, he poisoned me. That man. Was it Jordan Peterson or was it a Chicago style hot dog from the Chicago airport? I'm blaming it on Jordan Peterson. I'm thinking that Canadian, (laughs) this is an act of war from the Canadians against Britain. Uh, These fucking polite motherfuckers. Uh, I don't know. So I thought that I'd eaten a dodgy hot dog and that was what had caused me to wake up at three in the morning on Monday after I'd spent the weekend in Nashville with Jordan Mm -hmm. and Michaela with just vomiting, sat on the toilet for like 12 hours. Just haven't been that bad in. Dude, I threw everything I had at that illness. I was doing breath work. I was doing mindfulness practices against it. I'm pretty sure that I prayed at one point. Like, (laughs) I'm like just putting on my knees to a higher power. I've got the cushion on the floor. You were were praying to the porcelain god, that's for sure. Correct, correct. I just wanted it to end. Uh, So I thought it was this dodgy hot dog that I'd had at Chicago airport. And then Michaela messages me on Tuesday morning. Oh my God, Chris, what have you done to us? Everyone in the house is really, really sick. Uh, So the only person, suspiciously, the only person out of the entire group that was out over the weekend that isn't ill is Jordan. Uh, so I am classifying that as an act of war. Can, can I be honest with you? I'm actually really relieved it wasn't the Chicago-style hot dog. That's because that's your hometown, right? Yeah, well, because like if you and I ever go to Chicago and you're like, nope, no, no hot dogs for me, I will be heartbroken. Is that your you know? national food? Is that the food of your people? I would say so. I mean, people, we, we like deep dish. Um, Italian beef is another one, but Chicago style hot dog, man, that's like, it's the greatest food on earth. So it, it came up in tiny increments surrounded by whatever else I'd had. Dude, it was so rough, so rough, but, uh, kind of, was it worth, it was probably worth it. It was probably worth it for a pretty fun weekend. I had a pretty fun weekend in Nashville. Tell you what, Nashville, sorry to all the people from Tennessee, well, Tennessee and Nashville aren't the same thing, but anyway. Nashville's much tackier than I remember. And I, I can't tell if that's just because I was exclusively on Broadway, which is kind of like the main party yeah. street there. But even having seen 6th Street in Austin, which is, that's where the hen parties from Nashville come to. But when you go to Nashville, you're like, oh my God, this is the pro leagues. Like yeah, people- well, I think Nashville style country, like there's a dis- there is for for country listeners there is a distinct difference from like Nashville country which is essentially the hollywood of country and i think that's where the tackiness really comes through right it's just that that full blown uh bachelorette party like fake southern tackiness um and and which is interesting you brought up 6th street which is also an incredibly tacky area um also slightly sketchy you and i saw rogan uh pretty recently on sixth street and like leaving there is pretty sketchy yes but you you almost felt at home though you were like this is what newcastle these are my people yeah but no (laughs) dude i mean fucking going to broadway in nashville was that turned up to 11 my god yeah like the the the, um cowboy hats the pink sparkly cowboy hats that all of them are wearing um yeah, that was that was an experience. I think the biggest change is because I've come from Austin, especially spending time in whatever, like South Austin, where it, whatever, you're on Congress and everyone's out in jeans and trainers and you're watching live music, like just chill at some Italian bar or whatever, right? Eating Tex-Mex to go to full on, like Kid Rock's Finger Blast Club or whatever it's called, <laughs> which is on like five floors. Come and get finger blasted by Kid Rock on five floors and a rooftop. Um, it was just, it was such a, such a change of pace. But I got yeah. to meet, I got to meet one of the guys that's a head producer with the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro show, Colton. He's like just such a bro, like really cool. Spent a ton of time with Jordan, got to see him record his new course. That was pretty fun. Uh, and got some stuff sorted for next year as well, which I'll be able to release some details about probably within the next few weeks which is like fucking dope it's cool man but i i keep forgetting you're not officially an austinite you are going to have to go back to your cold dark ominous country dead behind the eyes well i mean i just found out today here's a headline for you man 
So, um, where is it? COVID, UK reports highest daily cases since the pandemic began. That was today, the 15th of December. The UK has reported the record number of daily COVID-19 cases since the beginning of the pandemic, with 78,610 new cases on Wednesday. Previous highest number was 68,000 on the 8th of January, earlier this year. Follows the introduction of mandatory face masks in most indoor settings, COVID passes for large events in England. Boris Johnson is due to hold a press conference. Lots of people are ill. Lots of people are getting booster shots. Uh, don't come back to this country. That's basically what that news story says to me. Super. Fucking great. Fucking awesome. come back, Chris. Get yourself back here, man. Happy Jesus. Christmas. Yeah, I know. It's a weird one. It's a weird one, bro. But yeah, back back for Christmas uh, on Sunday. And then uh, we will see what the plan is for now. But it's been, this trip's been dope. This trip's been so much fun. Spending time with you, doing adventures, seeing Rogan, training, hot and cold stuff. I learned how to wake surf. It's been, it's been a good trip, man. You know, it's, it's like a holiday, but it's so much more than that for you. It feels much, it, like it's got to feel much more, like much less temporary. Yep. Right? It's not just an escape where you're in a nice place. You're actually kind of living here. You know, yep. it's almost like a semester abroad type of deal. So it's, it's, I imagine it's different vibes. Yeah. Well, I think if you take satisfaction from working, and from progressing and from doing stuff and, and, and contributing to whatever you think your message is to the world or your mission or whatever. Um, one of the things that you have to deal with if you go on holiday holiday is, well, I, I kind of have to sacrifice my mission in order to enjoy this trip abroad. Whereas when you go away and you kind of keep on or maybe even increase the pace at which you do stuff, you know, I've met more people since I've been here that are in my industry than I have done in the previous year leading up to this. So I'm like, oh, actually I get the satisfaction of contributing to the thing that I really care about whilst also being away somewhere different. My buddy George Mack is in Dubai and I messaged him at the start of this year asking, what does it feel like being out there for, I think he'd been there for about three months. And he said, it feels like I'm on summer holiday from school and someone's going to come and tell me that it's over soon, but I know that it's not over. It's just, it's never over until I say that I need to go home. And that's kind of, that's kind of what it feels like, that it's just yeah. this endless, endless enjoyable trip. Um, well, I think that's, that's got to stem from you actually enjoying your work. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you work really hard. I, I've noticed, you know, you work, um, you, you do a lot behind the scenes. Um, you're like constantly getting new guests. You're constantly editing, fixing things up you know, curating stuff for different social media. But I think that that doesn't really stress you out. Um, it, it can, it can, it can get to you, what I've noticed at least, but you, you enjoy it. So, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are. I think that the, the UK thing started to wear on you, especially with the pandemic. You, you literally did not change at all. So, so yeah, man. What you need I'm, I'm bummed you have to go. But yeah, I, I, I know. Hope you come, turn I know. around and come right back. Uh, I fucking, I know, man. I know, man. Give me, give me a bit of time. Uh, so you rang me this morning in yes. a state of frenzy, <clears throat> like yeah. has never been heard before. The wrath of a a tall human shouting about some shit. What's what's occurring? So uh, essentially, the sport of weightlifting. The, the sport that I'm that I'm a professional in, uh, it, it's under the gun again. So I don't know if do you know that meme of James Franco and he's about to be hanged? No. Where, um, I forget what the it's a it's a Coen Brothers movie, but he's hanged once and it and it's unsuccessful, and then he gets hanged again, and he looks over at the guy on the second time, and he looks over and he says, first time." It's a, it's a, it's a famous meme, but basically everyone's freaking out because, uh, weightlifting is quote unquote out of the 2028 games. The, the IOC had like, I guess it was their commissioner or, or someone spoke about this, but the verbiage did not exclusively or sorry, explicitly state that it was out. It's essentially another warning to the IWF, which is the governing body of weightlifting Hey, you need to clean your shit up. 
because like for real, we are going to kick you out. We had this issue leading up to 2020, which ended up being the 2021 games. Um, it was up on the chopping block for Paris, which is 2024, which we eventually found out they were going to include it. And now they're they're basically saying, see, it's weird verbiage here. They're not saying, hey, you're out. You have to work to get back in. They're just kind of saying like you're up again to be out. But this time it seems a little bit more serious. Okay, so and- can you explain the different parties that are at play here? What does the IWF do and how do the IOC relate to that as a body? So the IWF is required to do certain things to establish a relationship with the IOC, which is the International Olympic Committee, just like any other governing body has to establish that um, with with the IOC. They have to establish some sort of relationship where they follow the guidelines to be in the Olympics. So uh, in the past, the... IWF has been one of the most, actually, you know what? I can just outright say the most corrupt Olympic sport. Um, I have a little quote here. It's very interesting um, from somebody who did a, let's see here. So this guy named Mark Peeth, Peeth or Peith, I'm not entirely sure. He was an anti-corruption expert and he actually worked on FIFA. And he said uh, he and his team did a legal study after weeks of reviewing the IWF documents which is the International Weightlifting Federation documents. What I saw here seems very, very brazen to me, more brazen than what I saw at FIFA. And if we're talking about corruption being more so than at FIFA, that can give you guys the level here. What's, there's, he, re- what's he referring to? Uh, so, so what he's referring to, man, there's, it's just, there's so much. And this is why I said my head was spinning when I was trying to, to, to uh, come up with like a finite amount. Mm-hmm. Basically... To, to put it simply, there's two branches, okay? It's uh, corruption amongst the suits. So the, the corruption amongst the, the boomers and suits, as I like to call them, and then the corruption amongst doping. So simply put, doping, since 2000, there have been 700 cases international of doping suspensions. Um, within the sport later, of Olympic weightlifting? Yes, in the, within the sport of Olympic weightlifting. That is an astounding number. That that's that's crazy. Okay, so this is where so so the How other the fuck branch is there of it, anyone left to do weightlifting? <laughs> well, so here's the thing: in 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 the uh, London Olympic Games in 2012, um, there was ten people. There, sorry, there were ten people that were uh, found to have had PEDs and either suspended or retroactively suspended, thus giving the eleventh place finisher the gold medal you're kidding so when you i'm not kidding you 11th place to gold medal so so you know a great example of this is like um you look at lance armstrong there was a uh there was some guy whether it was in his documentary or in icarus and he said i tested personally tested uh, uh uh lance armstrong 50 times and he passed every single one of them now i believe that he passed those tests because uh, they said it pretty explicitly in that documentary. It was either Icarus or it was, I think it's the Lance Armstrong documentary, a great documentary, by the way, um, where he was like a prized possession to that, the cycling federation. So, you know, Americans more or less did not care about cycling before Lance Armstrong. And while he was hot, the last thing they'd want to do is pop this guy. And get him in trouble. And it, it took a long time for the people outside of that federation to expose Lance Armstrong. But that's actually what happened. And, you know, what you were saying about weightlifting. How is there anyone left to do weightlifting? When things like 2012 happens, you're, you're absolutely right. But the main thing, I think that the doping issues are secondary to the uh, corruption. Which is, some of this stuff is very interesting. If these guys... The heads of the IWF were outside of sport. They would be behind bars. There is no question about that. And there are so many other sports like this. Uh, They talk about this in this article that very rarely do these cases of corruption within sport get pursued in in trial, in actual criminal trial. I was going to say, is it a criminal offense to cheat at sport? I, I, you know, it, it, I, 
this this sort of stuff here i'll list off some some of the stuff over the period of 17 years since 1992 more than 23 million dollars went into swiss imf bank accounts bank bank accounts which however were not listed in the iwf's balance sheets when these accounts were discovered in 2009 ayan alone was authorized to sign so he was the only one who was Who's able ayan? to look in ayan sorry i didn't explain who that is he is our overlord well, at least was. For the past three decades, he was the president of the IWF. And this man is like a mafioso Don. So the head of a mafia. There is no other way I can describe the IWF other than a crime syndicate. Because that's really, really what we're looking at. And um, according to the research, Ayan could not explain the whereabouts of at least $5.5 million. This man had been you know, siphoning money or he had, uh, you know, he bribed people to um, basically pass tests. So certain countries would pay fines to pass tests. They were always in uh, cash and they were always delivered directly to Thomas Ion. And so that's the money that's in cash plus all of these transactions that have gone into this dodgy Swiss bank account as well. So that's this, that's just the stuff that was banked. Yes. And 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 their their theory is that there's five point five million dollars missing that that's unaccounted for. There are also three hundred tests that are unaccounted for. So three hundred tests that just kind of slipped under the rug. There are multiple times where people were tested and then their positive tests were shown years later, so that they can c- continue to compete. So is um is is it the IWF's job? to enact their own testing though, or do they not outsource it to Rusada what? or USADA or someone else? Right, so so this is what's interesting, and I, I'll tie it back to um, Lance Armstrong, because because I, th- I think a lot of people can resonate with that. We were, we were all well aware of that, that scandal. Um, so internationally, uh, we use WADA, World Anti-Doping Agency. And so that's going to be for world, those are for international events. But outside of that, each country is required to have national testing. And this is where you get the corruption to start, right? This, this, the, the, the fact, and I love, love bringing this up that America has USADA and they don't really give a shit about any weightlifter. They're not going to protect a weightlifter in the same way that the cycling federation may protect Lance Armstrong. In the same breath, though, we will have a, a USADA tested weightlifter compete against a North Korean. Okay, so anything that North Korea does as far as national testing, like th- there's absolutely no way that we can reasonably say that there is something fair going on there, especially when they end up going into worlds, uh, world championships, Asian championships, and and winning a lot of medals. But surely as soon as the North Korean athlete gets to a world championship level, it goes away from being tested by North Korea and goes into being tested by yes. w- WADA. Right. And there's a science behind that. You, you learn how to cycle off of the steroids and the, and the PEDs. You learn how to cycle off. You make sure that the window for catching these metabolites is closed. And then you go and compete, which oh, surely offers an okay. advantage. Okay. So, so what you're saying is that WADA is there to test athletes during their competition phase at the absolute peak. But because your, your national testing isn't up to scratch, athletes are able to do more metabolic fuckery during their prep phase and then with the right amount of cycling off they can get themselves stronger outside of international testing with only national testing and then beat the international testing when the time comes yeah so so this is a great point there are three avenues for passing tests the first avenue is knowing when the test is coming the second is knowing what the test is exactly and um, the third is having a drug that won't get tested. So when, knowing when the test is coming is like the greatest advantage, in my opinion, because it's the least risk, right? You, you can plan out your taking of whatever pharmacological substance you need. Um, you can plan that out to make sure that you pass the test. Knowing what the test is would require you to have that testing facility yourself. So the Gregory Rodchenkov of Icarus, he was the leader of Rusada. So he had the literal exact testing um, that, that, is, that was used 
from WADA. So his athletes, he would just make sure they were clear with his own testing, and then you know they would show up and pass tests. The third would be some sort of designer drug. And I don't know the reality of that one actually existing, but it's, it's not outside the scope of something that can happen. Presumably so, there's a fourth route here that you could just pay someone off to swap samples out. Yeah, and that, that's the funny thing is that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened in weightlifting. There was a German documentary um, called, I don't know the German term, but it was just called mm-hmm. The Lord of Lifters. And it was about Thomas Ion, the Lord. He's the overlord. He's the Sith Lord, an actual evil, evil man. And in this documentary, there was a Moldo- Moldovan team doctor who said, we would just have random people show up for the testing, show the idea of the person, piss in a cup, and it would piss clean. Sometimes the tester would show up and we'd offer them the proper amount of money and they wouldn't even collect a sample or they would collect, you know, a clean sample from someone else. This was the sort of stuff that was happening en masse and we were able to catch it. So the, is it the IWF's job to deploy testing? Yes. Well, it, it is it, the, it is because they, um, they utilize WADA and there's a requirement within IWF to have out-of-competition testing that is nationally driven. Um, so that's not even really the issue. The, the main issue is uh, what I believe is the corruption at the absolute top, the, the skimming of money. You know, there was a story, this is a great story. Shaheen Nasirinya was a, um, a middleweight weightlifter who was you know, notoriously in the top three in his weight class. Piros Dimas was his main competitor. Piros Dimas was like the most decorated weightlifter of all time, one of the most, easily the most decorated Greek Olympian of all time. And another one, Georgi Adzenitsa, who is the coach of Lasha Talhadze, who Lasha is the greatest weightlifter right now. Um, so those three guys were in a very competitive stage. And in 2000 in Sydney, uh, Shaheen was approached by his coach and basically said, look, you cannot uh, compete. And if you do compete and if you put up winning numbers, uh, the rest of our team will be popped for steroid use. And essentially, uh, what the, the reason for that was because they did not pay Ion or whoever at the top to pass those tests. Okay. So what Shaheen did, you can see in the snatch session as he's warming up to go snatch, he's wiggling his elbow around while he's snatching. He looks fine. He's in totally, he's in unbelievable shape. He even said this. He's like, I was in the best shape I have ever been in. And he starts playing with his elbow in the warm up room and he's making sure the camera's looking at him too. He goes up for his first snatch and he fakes an elbow injury. Walks off. Piros Dimas is the winner. I believe Georgi Adzenitsa is the second place, and then someone else is third place. So he doesn't even podium? No. Because if he did, the rest of the Iranian team, Iranian team would feel the wrath of the IWF. This is the level of corruption that was happening. So it just, is, to, just to recap that, a guy that was potentially going to win was yes. told that he couldn't win. Why? What's the reason that he couldn't come first? You know, I'm not entirely sure what the exact specifics are. Is it sports betting? Have they got some deal behind no, the table? No, it's not sports betting. It okay. is. So so it you have to pay. It's racketeering, Chris, at its highest. This is crime syndicate shit. Basically, the IWF says you must pay us this money so that we can either, you know, push your tests under the rug and not pop you. Right. It's almost like you're paying for your medal. But so every are, if, are you if, if you get tested, you're, if you, you get tested, you're going to piss hot. Okay, you're going to get popped because it is a it's a known fact that that group, all of those men are on drugs. Okay, so all of the Iranians if, are using. Yes, right. Okay, all of the Iranians, including, all including of the, the Georgians, guy that decided that he was going to fake the uh, elbow injury. Yes, right. So I mean, it was there, like it was right for them to get popped then. I, I, I struggle yes. to feel sympathy for the guy that pretended that he wasn't going to win because he was on drugs and everyone else was and maybe we were going to get found out. Of course. But the problem is, though, Chris, is that the people who are supposed to be catching these people know this. 
right? They're essentially, hey, you could give us a little bit of money and we'll be fine, right? So do you get mad at the cop who takes the bribe? Of course you fucking get mad at the cop for taking the bribe. Maybe you'll feel a little, you know, less, uh, you know, you won't feel as bad for the person breaking the law or, or you will, yeah, you won't feel bad for them breaking the law, but you also have to get mad at the, the cop for taking the bribe. How are we supposed to get anything done when this level of corruption exists? All right, so talk to me about the flow of money then. Who is, is the IOC taking any money or do you think that they're so, relatively clean? No, no, the IOC is anything but clean. So the IOC is kind of a bully as well, right? They can make sure certain things happen. Uh, and again, this is all theoretical. Um, the IOC is like incredibly powerful, incredibly. And when things come out, they act like they're on top, right? They act like they are not guilty for any of this stuff. And they go, hey, Federation, get your shit together. It's like, it's like the CEO who breaks the rule and blaming the people who work for the CEO. So, you know, it, it's pretty well known that the IOC is not the most, um, you know, it, that they're pretty dubious. If anything can expose this, it's Icarus, where Russia was blatantly breaking the rules as far as doping and systematic doping and getting away with it because they had such high standing in the IOC, right? It took until a literal documentary and the public discourse to be around Russia and their cheating for them to be banned from the Olympics. Okay. So what was the press conference that was given today was this the ioc warning the iwf get your act together by 2023 yes. or else you don't get to be in the olympics in 2028 yes or else skateboarding rock climbing and something else will be in place so weightlifting and boxing are going to get kicked out for skateboarding and rock climbing that seems like a fair trade to me <laughs> cooks for cooks right <laughs> So, so, yeah, I mean, it's, the, the verbiage is clear. Like, kick everyone out of the IWF or else we're going to lose this sport as we know it. Okay, and so t t talk to me. Let, IOC said, and to be fair, I mean, are you surprised? Like, are you surprised no, that no, the I'm IOC not. said your sport is a fucking shambles? No, because I t I'm telling you right now, Chris, I have been covering this shit this shitstorm for two and a half years. And I even have videos saying, like, literally, the death of our sport is nigh. Let's fix it. You know, years ago, I was saying that shit. And here we are now. Um, it's finally and, come and, to a head. Yeah, absolutely. It's been coming to a head. The main issue here, Chris, is that there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel that I can see. And this is the worst part. It's like, right as we see the light, they're just going to close the door to What's the, the sport. Light? The light is, we just had an American world champion, Meredith Alwine, just won a world medal. Uh, last world championships, we had a world champion and a silver medalist in Kate Nye and Maddie Rogers. Maddie Rogers just got a third place medal. Um, we had a, an Olympic silver medalist. These are all things that America did not have. And we're starting to have, and our youth is starting to get better and better because the sport is growing here and because people care of this sport outside of the monetary interest. If you were to compare weightlifting to football, there will never be a chance for weightlifting to do what football does. But it's something different. We are hobbyists. We are people who are good in the weight room when, when you're a child, if you're good and you learn the skill of snatching and cleaner jerking and you pursue that, you're not pursuing it to have this dream of a life where you can be a professional football player, where you can get a scholarship to play football at a major university. That's not the case, but there are so many of those people and not just 30 year olds like myself, right? There are literal, there are 15 year old kids who are incredible at this sport who now when they get of age in 2028, that will be taken away from them. That is what I have a massive issue with. That is not okay. And it's only because of fucking boomers in suits. For real. If Thomas, if, if look, if the doping problem was the only problem, I don't think we would have this discussion. But it's shitheads like Thomas Ayan and the rest of his cronies that have this iron grip on this sport that have done that.
Is he still in his position? No, he was forced to resign. And with zero criminal, I, I honestly think he still has his money. How long has he been? Insane. So who's in charge now? Why hasn't he fixed it? This is interesting. One of the guys who's an old board member who was part of the, uh, the old guard was hired. He's actually a British guy. His name is Mike Irani. And the, what's interesting is the UK Federation didn't even like the fact that he was selected. So that goes to show that we took out, you know, uh, Thomas Ion and put basically a disciple in his place. Yeah, version 2.0. Yes. Yep. If you were to think about, you know, UK is another country that like leads the way in, in change. They're very, very harsh on doping. Uh, arguably harsher than What's the our, US. Do you know what our, um, if we got like UCADA or something? Yes. Yes. Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. And they're very like, they're very tough. They fucking got Sonny Webster, didn't they? Oh yeah. <laughs> and they will continue to get him. They, they, they pursued a rule in getting Sonny Webster that uh, the U.S. would never pursue. How would you ever. How would you explain the series of events that Sonny went through, where he got his ban and then he got his subsequent extension? So um, he got his ban because he tested positive for a SARM, and I'm not sure how long the ban was. I think it might have been four years. He was then warned. Which is the max? Yes, it is for first. For, for for your first offense, it's the max ban. But he could have had that reduced if he'd accepted, like if he'd pled guilty to it, but he yes. spent a shit ton of money trying to find out what he thought was a, a tainted supplement that had had that particular, was it not Ostranazole? Oh, uh, Osterine. Osterine, that was it. Yes. Um, and yeah, so, so um, uh, then this rule is very interesting. You are not allowed to coach and or train with people who have been uh, caught. So, and, and if, you're, if, if they're able to find that, they can ban the person who was coaching. They can ban even the person who was training with that person. I'm not sure if the second version has, has happened, but Sonny was doing seminars. Uh, he continued to do seminars. He even did them in uh, New Zealand, Australia, and then the New Zealand Federation and the Australian Federation started complaining, and then Sonny... Uh, you know, he, he tacked on another three years onto his ban, I think. Yep. So essentially a lifetime ban, but that's all right. He's never coming back. Um, but that and is something gives, that they would never pursue here. Fucking flying off into the sunset with a huge online following, having tons of fun with his model girlfriend, living the life that he wants in Australia. Like, exactly. That's, that's one of the things, you know, to speak to watching Sonny from, I was, I was just starting to speak to him for the show as his first band became public. And I think we touched on it. And then James Smith's first podcast, I want to say his first or second podcast episode is about Sonny's band. It's like, it's him opening the doors uh, completely about what happens. So I've kind of seen this full trajectory, including the fact that he, the sport that he did where you can see photos of him walking next to Andy Murray, waving his little flag mm -hmm. at Rio and then thinking, okay, um, my goal after I get through this four-year ban is to come back and do the Commonwealth Games in 2022. And that, you know, that that's at least part of it. But I mean, by the time that his ban's over, he's going to have gone from being, what, like a 23-year-old kid to being a 31-year-old guy or a 30-year-old yeah. guy. And um, yeah, you're right. That's They've basically taken the prime of his career away from him and he's just decided to be the most anti-fragile motherfucker on the planet and just have an awesome time building his platform and doing what he wants to do outside of the institutions well i i would like to talk about doping in sport you know just generally yep um how it works and and why it will continue happening but I think from what I've gathered, when I continually cover doping in sports and corruption in weightlifting, there's this defeatist attitude from the commenter, basically being like, I don't care, let them all dope, uh, screw the IOC, screw sports, just make it fun, make it fun for me. And I have a major issue with that, right? It's very simple-minded and it's almost defeated in nature. 
that it's absolutely impossible to have some sort of policy in place where, um, you know, for the most part, we can have clean athletes. And if that isn't possible, it's possible to have to have the playing field be somewhat uh, uh, more level. The biggest issue that I found with doping and in my experience in weightlifting, but this can carry over to many other sports is the protection of doping athletes who dope. That's the biggest issue that I have. So if you want to roll the dice and take drugs and try to pass tests, go ahead. You can do that in any other place, in any other endeavor in your life. You can cheat. If you don't get caught, what are we going to do about it? You know, but that is not what ends up happening. There are people who get unfair advantages so that they can cheat or at least cheat more than others. So you have... Right, so so that... Go ahead. You have certain athletes that are able to utilize performance enhancers whilst other athletes don't. Has your camera just died again? Yes. You are... Do you have another battery? No. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> I fucking said... Before we started... I charged I, it, bro. I was charging it for a half hour. You were a fuck. You were a fuck. <laughs> All right. Right. We're switching to your fucking special needs camera. I, by the way, though, this camera is much better. It's not much better. Shut up. Right. No, no, no. It's much better than the last camera when it, when it switched over. Oh, because you got your new fancy... Yes. Yeah, laptop. Okay. Uh, yeah. The problem is that some people get popped. Some people don't get popped. That's the issue. Yeah. And... and more than that, the problem can stem even to an even worse place. Uh, Egypt was, I think, provisionally suspended from competing just internationally completely because they were found doping up twelve-year-olds. So, so they were giving they were giving PED PEDs to twelve-year-old girls and boys. Okay, I don't care what anyone's stance on give them all dope, like let them perform. That is immoral. That is wrong. 100 times out of 100. Giving children drugs is, is so wrong. <laughs> like we, we know the science behind what anabolics do to a grown man or a grown woman. But what it does to someone going through puberty or someone who isn't fully developed, developed that is extremely problematic. But then if you think Okay, this is kind of something with, you know, Jordan Peterson would bring up like, okay, then what's the line? Then what are we okay with? 17 years old, 18 years old, 19, 20, 21, 22. A lot of the people who say, let them all use drugs, they don't know what that means. Well, let me ask you why it's the case that somebody could take puberty blockers to reassign their gender direction as they go through puberty we feel uncomfortable about somebody enhancing their performance by using testosterone. And many people would say in sport, that's unfair and that's potentially dangerous. It seems like, I don't know, the, the, there are two different sets of standards that are being used here for people. Yeah. And I would say most endocrinologists who are worth their fucking salt would say taking puberty blockers before you're fully developed or something like that is probably not a good idea. Given you know the the countless hours of studies of human biology, it's not suggested to do something like that. <clears throat> Especially as a person who, as yet, isn't <clears throat> legally allowed to vote, drive, or drink alcohol in the U.S. Yep, maybe you shouldn't be making life changing decisions when yes, you're basically that, still a child. That can never go back. Yes, irreversible. Yeah, yeah. So th again, the same could be said about anabolics. What at what line then? person who's out there and trust me it seems like i'm just arguing against someone who doesn't exist but i promise you uh there will be comments in in your comment section there will be comments endlessly in my section just saying whatever it's all entertainment for me and they don't have any skin in the game yeah this is my livelihood i i, I want to open a gym when i when i grow up <laughs> Finally, no. <laughs> when I finally grow up, no, I would like to open a gym in the future and have youth lifters lift there with the dream of going to the Olympics. I would like it to happen. I would like 
weightlifting to still be in the Olympics and to have it taken away from a bunch of boomers in suits is a comp- is an issue. And and furthermore, to have it taken away from other countries who decide to dope up children, that's bullshit. That's where I'm I'm ultimately if it if it takes us saying, "Hey, here's a hard stance against steroid use." To well, I mean, eliminate what do you mean the- a hard stance? Are you trying to say that there isn't a hard stance already? Not really. What, in I the mean, US? Anywhere, actually. I mean, if 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 this if it were just testing and people getting caught, if there was no other bureaucracy surrounding it, yeah. I guess I could say, well, that's all we got. You know? But that's the problem is once it, it's too what's the word I'm looking for? It's too when, multifaceted. When you, no, when you, when it's too enticing, it's too enticing for leaders to utilize doping and anti-doping as a weapon. They use it as a weapon to manipulate metals, to gain money, to to you know favor one country, one lifter, one athlete over another. What is that's it about all- what what is it about um weightlifting that's attracted particularly so much corruption and doping is it because the sport is benefited massively by the use of drugs over probably most others was that the genesis of it do you think I think that's the genesis of it but we're finding that you know anabolics help I I don't I think they would help equally in many other sports but they're not going to help as much in let's say soccer you know, a big team sport where your performance on your own doesn't matter as much, where raw output, athletic output is mitigated a lot more by tactics and skill. Yeah, and I think, you know, so that's that's why cycling, it helps so much. Because it's, it's this, just output. Yeah, yeah, it's just output and it's just raw individual output. Yep. And the difference between a doped up athlete and a non-doped up athlete is massive. I agree with you. I think that it is, you know, you're, you're gonna see the same level of doping in cycling that you are in Olympic weightlifting. What you're not gonna see is cycling get taken out of the fucking Olympics. Why is it then that weightlifting is on the chopping block? Is, it, is there something against the sport generally? I like to use this, uh, Example, do you remember in Step Brothers when they're in the interview and they're wearing the tuxedos? Yeah. With with Seth Rogen. Yeah. And and he he when they initially sit down, he goes, Hey, I thought the tuxedos were kind of weird, but I guess I kind of like it. I think it's great. And then Dale farts really loud, really hard. And then he goes, You know what? On second thought, those tuxedos are a little fucked up. And it's kind of the same thing with weightlifting, where the guy's wearing the tuxedos. And when we keep getting in trouble like this, it's like we're Dale farting. Oh, yeah, weightlifting is kind of a fucked up sport. I think we can take it out of these Olympics. Right? It's like we are, if we play by the rules, they're okay with us. But if we don't, we look a lot more fucked up than a major sport not Why? playing by the rules. Because we're just not prevalent. I mean, we're in, at least in America, we're just not, it's not an important sport. But that's a theory that may not be true right i understand that i understand what you it's, mean it's, a, I would it's more say... of a theory right like we're we're a downtrodden sport that's not as famous as as other sports and you know to to another country that might not be the case but i think i i just i guess i can only compare it to cycling especially in America, the way that we look at cycling, it's like, you know, we have a ton of hobbyists. We have a ton of decent pros and decent amateurs, but we'll never look at it like we do track and field, uh, you know, uh, gymnastics or swimming. For some reason, we just won't. And, I don't know, and, man. It's, it's yeah. a, I understand how it's a shitty situation, especially for you as someone who has dedicated a lot of time to this, who has got athletes who are potentially looking at, you know, verging on potentially qualifying toward that 2028 Olympics. That's, I understand why it would be uncomfortable, but I don't see that the corruption is, is twofold, right? So you've got the guys at the top that are ruining it. And then you have the doping that's coming from the bottom, which is kind of destroying the sport. And the problem is that you could get away with just the doping, 
if you were if you had verifiable information that you could trust the people that were supposed to be the ones that were checking on yes. that. Yes. Yes, and the doping would not be as prevalent. I think it would be some sort of a trickle down effect. It would have to be, right? But again, like I said before, it is too enticing to take advantage of doping and anti-doping. It is too enticing to take control in that way. At wasn't, least that's what I've seen. Wasn't Russia, weren't they just kicked out of some Olympics recently? Yes, but they were allowed to compete as like the US, or the, the sorry, the Russian Federation or something. Uh, well, do you know what the story was there? I, not entirely, no. I mean, I know, I know that they were kicked out, like officially kicked but out. But then they but had athletes basically just competing under yes. a different name. Like, how the fuck does yeah. that work? It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very uh, interesting thing. There's it's it's this thing where you can um, compete not under your country, but in almost like an athletic federation or something like that. Okay, so strange. all of the people, oh, tons of the people that wouldn't have been allowed to go under Russia went under the fucking USSR. Or some shit. Yeah, but but they felt the heat from that, regardless. Like, yeah, they they skirted around a little bit, but they felt the heat from literally not being allowed. Could you see a world within the next fifty years where the Olympics just gets disbanded for widespread drug use overall? Like the Olympics gets cut off? Yep. No, I don't think so. It's too big of a beast. Yeah, it's dude. It's a political tool. It, it's just, it always has been a political tool. The Olympics have always been uh, something where a country can flex. I mean, this is this is really why I think the corruption in weightlifting is so uh, so prevalent is because these countries that don't have much power in any other sport, they found that they were doing pretty well. Countries like Armenia, Ukraine, Iran, uh, Iran, uh, you know. These countries found a way in to get gold medals. A gold medal for these countries is a massive deal. Any medal is a massive deal. It's a great tool for propaganda, for national pride. It is a way to say fuck you to the other countries, to say that we're better. It is absolutely a competition between countries. And so now when we see, uh, you know, these countries do well that don't do well in any other sport, they're going to clamor to the way things are. It legitimates that country's sort of sporting national presence. Yeah, okay. Yes, right? Does that make a little bit more sense why it's so difficult to break down this corruption? Be- because because they, they don't want it to go. Because well, what is it's it successful about, for other sports. Why is it that weightlifting has permitted... Iran, why can't Iran just dope the shit out of some cyclists and crush cycling or some other sport boxing or something i think they are all right at boxing actually but yeah i I hadn't thought about that actually i hadn't thought about that i think there's like some sort of history there i think you see eastern Bloc countries uh because they were you know part of the ussr and the and 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 historically the ussr has been incredibly successful in weightlifting so then those countries break off and now it's a great opportunity to you know flex against the old russia um the old USSR. I, I'm not entirely sure about Iran. Um, what you've actually, what we see in a lot of other countries is some of these guys from these Eastern Bloc teams, they end up going to um, to these other countries and they end up being their head coach. Oh. So, so, yeah. So you'll see a Bulgarian head coach of uh, the Australian team or something like that. Fuck. And that's where things get very interesting as well. What do you think, how much, how widespread do you think drug use is generally in sports? So if you were to pick, I don't know, like American football, right? Or basketball and stuff like Massive. that. Massive. You reckon? Yes. Massive. Massive. The, it's, it's not so that you can grow and get bigger muscles. Yes, you can retain. The greatest thing is you just retain your muscle so much easier. Uh, the second greatest thing is you're, you can just do more work. Because every powerful movement, uh, you're able to have just a faster acting metabolism, a faster acting mode of recovery towards whatever movement that is. I think that basketball might be like, it would be the most advantageous place to use dope. Why? Because it is so, it is so intense what like a big player goes through. You know, 40 minutes of just back and forth and jumping and cutting like it just would destroy your knees the forces at which 
they're constantly using and mm. they play so many games. If you think about football, there's really not as much play. Each, the average play is six seconds long, right? Foot, basketball is nonstop. It's on hardwood. You're not just cutting, you're jumping. If you were to compare that to soccer, the time that one player, if you actually look at the, t- the amount of time a player sprints and cuts in soccer, it's not even close to, to a basketball player. That would be fucking, I would, I would love for someone to do uh, an analysis that understands the way that different doping substances impact physiology and performance. And to just say, look, here are some of the relative outputs that you could expect if you were to take a moderate sort of uh, subdetectable dose where you were cycling on and off. So here's a typical cycle that somebody that was playing basketball would be able to use. Uh, and here's one that somebody in cycling could use. And here's one that somebody in soccer and weightlifting and powerlifting and whatever. Uh, and to just have a look at the differences, the expected differences in performance one of the problems that you're going to get, I mean, let's say, obviously you had this in baseball, right? You had Barry Bonds and that entire period where baseball lost its entire fan base because there was a huge doping scandal. Now, the problem that you have with any sport like baseball or basketball is the season is so long. Yes. It's huge, which means that if you have no time off, the um, sort of compounds that you can use the complexity of how you're going to cycle in and cycle out of using different protocols, all of that's going to be turned up to 11. Yeah. And I I also think, you know, it doesn't take much. You just go through the majority of your career as a natural athlete. You make it to the NBA as a natural athlete. You establish yourself as a natural athlete. And then when you want to hang on and potentially improve. Because remember, it's all about improvement in any sport. You want to get better, but it's very difficult to get better when you're already some of the best. So, uh, you know, that's that's where PED use, it, all it would take is just like a, you know, like a TRT dose of testosterone and then maybe some GHD or some GHD, <laughs> um, human growth hormone, HGH. So like GH as well would help a ton, but just just basically a TRT dose. For a natural athlete that's been natural their entire life, something like that would increase performance com- like mind-blowingly. Need Derek. Need Derek for more plates, more dates on. He could, he could tell us this shit. Look, I, the way that I see it is like this. Any sport where your fitness is tested, but the power output needs to be high. Okay? Because if the power output needs to be high, that means you have to have a, a musculature that can support that. However... When you use a lot of power and you use a lot of muscle for something, you end up expending a ton of energy, which in turn is hard on your fitness. So if you constantly have to train these opposing things, right? Like cardiovascular fitness is going to always oppose for, uh, it's always going to be on the opposite side of having a lot of muscle and a lot of power. So what if you were able to take a compound that was that would allow you to retain muscle with less effort while you can focus on fitness? Right? That's essentially what every single athlete's goal is. Increase fitness, increase capacity, increase the amount of work you can do without losing the things that make you the athlete you are. Yeah, well, I mean, it, that's exactly what they measure in cycling, right? They, they measure power to weight. That's what they yeah. look at. They How look do at you their... get that ratio, power to weight? I mean, it's, it's Well, perfect. they want to be as small as possible. But they also want to be able to deliver the maximum amount of wattage down. Okay, so roll, roll the clock forward for me. What would you do? Let's say that you're in charge of the IWF now or you're, you're the IOC giving instructions to the IWF. What would your mandate be? Uh, I, would, I would clear clean house. Every single person that was there during ION is gone. There's no question they're gone. I don't care how good of a person they were. They're gone. Uh, secondly, I would look over the doping protocol and I would find a way to verify the national testing. I think that there is some level of innovation that can happen where we can verify national testing. Then I would have athletes required to take uh, a certain number of international tests per year. So if you're in that testing pool, in that elite testing pool, you can just show up to a a meet, sign up, weigh in, test, and leave. But then you're going to know when the test's going to be. Right. But 
knowing when the tests are coming and there's once one every two months, it is possible, but it's less likely to take the enormous amount of compounds as, as well as on top of tightening up national testing. Of course, look, Chris, you can always cheat. You can always break the law. You can always break the rule, but we have to make it harder and we have to be more diligent with that. Like I, I can sit here and give you solution after solution and you can say, well, you know, they could skirt around us. Of course they can. It's never going to change, but there are massive holes. I mean, if, if we looked at this from like an analytics perspective, we just said, we just had a bunch of economists come in, a bunch of, and I actually just listened to your podcast, nerds or geeks or. Nerds, geeks, and dorks. Yeah. Uh, geeks? Geeks. Geeks. Because they have utility, right? Correct. Geeks. So we have a bunch of geeks come in. And, and they say, Jesus, this doping protocol or, or anti-doping protocol, like it has massive issues here, here, and here. Fix them. That's got to be possible, right? From my perspective, it has to be possible. So something like that would have to change. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, it blows my mind that the Olympics has a very widespread drug problem. And it, it kind of makes sense, right? Because you appreciate that people will do whatever they need to do in order to win. And the, how do you say? The desire of the individual is going to outweigh, or the, the um, temptation of success is going to outweigh the temptation of virtue or integrity. Like, obviously, the, you know, getting to the number one spot on the podium whether you're clean or not, is so tempting to so many people. And if you're convinced enough that the other people in your sport and in your category are also using, and you know that you're not going to be competitive without it, then it becomes a race to the bottom. You say, well, look, yeah. I, I can't not take this. I, it's better for me to be caught and kicked out because the alternative is coming 19th. So here's the problem in weightlifting in America, we don't even have the opportunity to race to the bottom or sorry, we don't even have the opportunity to even play because USADA is so stringent comparatively to other national testing. How long has it been since a, an American athlete got popped at the international level? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there was one minor incident. Uh, like What's a minor years, incident? 10 years ago, I think, I don't know exactly what had happened, but it was Sarah Robles. Um, I'll have to do more research on that, but I think before that, you know, 20, 30 years. So you're saying that very few people are sneaking through the national level testing from USADA to get to WADA and then be tested at the international level and get popped? Yes. Okay. The so number is why, minuscule. Why not, why not just do it minuscule. that way? Why not just do it that way? Say that, look, if you get popped at the international level, uh, and your country overall is uh, disproportionately represented, then there's going to be some sort of sanction. There because is. Oh. There is. Oh. So, so yeah. So, no, no, that, that's good that you point that out. That's exactly what happens. Thailand was, I mean, so many countries, holy shit. Uh, Thailand, Ukraine, Romania, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, uh, Turkey, the, the list is insane they were not allowed to bring a certain number of people to the Olympics. Their Olympic spots were closed. So America was actually able to bring eight uh, lifters to the Olympics, whereas Romania was able to bring one. Okay. And, and then in the Thailand, this is hilarious, in the Thailand World Championships, Thailand was not even allowed to have a team compete. <laughs> The host country was not allowed to have a team. No compete. fucking way. I swear to God. And Uzbekistan, um, before that was it was in I don't know where in Uzbekistan. It's actually there again right now. The world championships are going on right now. But they actually might have been Turkmenistan. One of the stands. God, there's so many. I don't know. Um, but they begged to allow their uh, competitors to compete at their home competition. And they were actually able to get around that. That's another point of corruption there. Athletes that should have been suspended and actually an entire team should have been suspended, but they weren't because it was their home meet. Thailand could not pull that off. Fuck. Well, dude, I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a, a shit show. What do you reckon? What's the, if you were going to give me odds, what, what do you reckon the percentage chance? Oh, God. Weightlifting is in the 2028 Olympics. 
I'm going 50 50. 50 50. It is, it seems low and that is low, but I'm going 50 50. I actually said when we were on the chopping block for 2024, I had said, uh, I think it was like 60 40. Got worse. Oh, yeah. You know why? Because we're farther away. Yeah. That's why it's scary. You got more work to do to get to the place that you need to be. And you've got what? Did they say when in 2023? No, I'm not. It's probably right around now, December of 2023. Okay, so you got two years to try and clean up an entire sport and the governing body that does it, plus all of the athletes globally that compete in it. <laughs> yeah. Zach Talander, good luck, my friend. Where should people go? They want to check out your stuff if they haven't check already done YouTube it. Check out my YouTube channel. YouTube channel. Just search my name, Z-A-C-K-T-E-L-A-N-D-E-R. If you want to start weightlifting, go to patreon.com slash Zach Talander. And Instagram as well, Coach underdash zt that's where you find me see you soon for brisket man bye see ya